Good morning everyone. I hope you guys are doing well. So today I am following on from the brief intro I did last week on spiritual gifts and I think it's great that we're spending a good bit of time on this aspect of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start off by reading together the main passage we're going to be looking at for this morning which is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and we are going to be reading down to the end of verse 11. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. And I've been looking at this uh, passage quite a bit, as you can imagine, preparing this. And uh, it just has made me think we really can't stress enough the role spiritual gifts play in seeing God's kingdom come to this earth. And I know that that's something that we all have a heart for and want to play our part in. So let's take a few minutes here uh, to think about this term gift. Uh, we're looking at spiritual gifts. But Let's remember the ultimate gift to humanity is Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The ultimate gift to the church is the Holy Spirit in us, enabling us to live the life Jesus paid for. And it is he, remember the Holy Spirit is a person, who provides a variety of these spiritual gifts. And it was really important to Paul that the church as a body also grasped the significance of the clear grounding of love in relation to these spiritual gifts. Listen to these verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. That's from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3. Another thing that Paul stresses is the importance of all of the gifts rather than elevating a couple of them and their proper use. As the Corinthians had actually got a bit fixated on the gift of tongues. 
And as I was preparing this, there were a couple of things that I sensed God wanted me to highlight uh, before we delve in a bit. So first of all, I think there can be uh, sometimes a bit of confusion around spiritual gifts and spiritual fruits. So what's the difference? Well, the fruits of the Spirit are qualities that develop in us. They become part of our character as we become more like Jesus. And there are nine fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Spiritual gifts, on the other hand, are outside of ourselves. They're literally what they say. They're gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure there were plenty of gifts exchanged and given for Father's Day today, and we know how much you men all love a new pair of socks, but uh, spiritual gifts are different in that they're given to give us the ability to become empowered, to do the stuff that God has for us to do, as well as playing our part in the body. John MacArthur, uh, he has a, a great wee quote to help us to understand spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a supernaturally designed ability granted to every believer by which the Holy Spirit ministers to the body of Christ. A spiritual gift cannot be earned, pursued or worked up. It's merely received through the grace of God. So to reinforce, these gifts are outside of ourselves, so they're different from natural talents and skills and abilities, and they're necessary for the common good. So hopefully that's helped clarify the difference a bit. Now, something I love is the fact that these gifts are given to God's people. Now, note it doesn't say God's most super spiritual people. And in my book, that means that they are available in whatever form the Holy Spirit chooses to give them to every person who gives their lives to Jesus. And believe me, the enemy would just love us to believe that we aren't good enough, that we aren't worthy enough to receive them. And maybe even that's what's going on in your head right now as I say this. We get that we are far from perfect. We get that we are weak. But remember, we have that amazing promise in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, which says God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. My second train of thought is this. In our Northern Irish culture, I think it's fair to say that we can struggle at times to acknowledge what we maybe recognise to be on our lives in a spiritual sense. We're pretty good at encouraging and building one another up and calling out what we see. But I think when it comes to ourselves, there can be a bit of a hesitancy for fear of sounding like we're boasting or a bit big-headed. And funny enough, I had a chat with Chris along these lines really recently because I felt God highlight the need for me to recognise a gift he seems to have blessed me with. Um, it's not one of the gifts I'll be focusing on today, but I'm talking about the gift of healing. Throughout the years, there have been quite a few different occasions where someone I've prayed for has received healing. Now, certainly not every time, but enough times for me to acknowledge that there seems to be something on it. And I remember praying for a girl years ago who had suffered with persistent bleeding, which was really impacting her life. Now, I've definitely always been drawn to pray for healing for people. And um, I prayed with this particular girl one Sunday morning. Now, 
I wouldn't say that my prayer was particularly special and I don't remember sensing a particularly mo- particular move of the spirit, which I sometimes do. But from that day, she was really excited to tell me that her bleeding completely stopped and it is, thank goodness, never returned. Um, and I mentioned that as this particular girl has challenged me a number of times over the years to recognise healing as a spiritual gift on my life and to press in in this area when I get the chance, which I'm more than happy to do. And the thing is, I get that I am simply the vehicle. This is a gifting outside of myself. And what a privilege if God chooses to use me in this way. And that whole idea of God choosing us, it's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? Jesus chooses and invites us to partner with him in bringing the kingdom to earth. And it's such a stunning demonstration and reflection of God's grace, all made possible by the work of the cross. Jerry Bridges traces God's grace from salvation to the impartation of spiritual gifts that we're talking about this morning to heavenly rewards. And this is what he says. This is the amazing story of God's grace. God saves us by his grace and transforms us more and more into the likeness of his son by his grace. In all our trials and afflictions, he sustains and strengthens us by his grace. He calls us by grace to perform our own unique function within the body of Christ. Then again, by grace, he gives to each of us the spiritual gifts necessary to fulfill our calling. As we serve him, he makes that service acceptable to himself by grace and then rewards us a hundredfold by grace. How beautiful is that? Spiritual gifts are given by God according to his sovereign will as he determines. He knows exactly which gifts he needs to activate within us in various situations and scenarios that he places us in. No gift is more important than any other and really a healthy church should see the outworking of a variety of gifts through all members of the body to help it to function well. Let's move on and look at what these gifts are. Um, I know we read them earlier, but uh, I just want to, to read them out again. Now, there are also motivational and ministry gifts, but today I am going to focus on the manifestation and empowering gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 8 to 10. And then the rest of the morning is going to be taken up by me looking at three. So we have the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now interestingly, John Wimber, who uh, was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he grouped these gifts in this way. So the wisdom, knowledge and faith he referred to as the eyes of God. The healings, miracles and prophecy, the hand of God, the distinguishing between spirits and tongues and their interpretation, he referred to as the mouth of God. So this morning I am going to be looking with you at uh, wisdom, knowledge and the discerning of spirits. So I'm going to start off with knowledge, even though in the list wisdom comes first. There's a method in the madness, um, which I will explain. So our knowledge definition is a supernatural awareness of facts that would otherwise be unknown to the recipient 
for the benefit of others. The Spirit searches the deep things of God and reveals them to believers so that they can be said to have the mind of Christ. And we can sometimes find that God can release a word of knowledge, which can be step one, followed by a word of wisdom, which is step two, which is why I'm doing them in this order. Because wisdom is having the ability to apply the knowledge you may already have been given about a particular situation. So here's a little example to hopefully help illustrate that. I'd been journeying with a couple who had suffered a series of miscarriages and had been really praying into this. And I was on my way home, having just spent some time with them, talking to God about their situation. And he gave me a picture, or a vision really, of these guys, their faces beaming with a little baby girl, along with a time scale around when this would come to pass. So that was the knowledge part. Now, thankfully, God also gave me the wisdom to understand that the purpose of this was for me to pray into it in it into being as such rather than rush off and share it with them. So this is what I did, and true enough, it came to pass in the time scale the Holy Spirit gave me. And I did actually share it with them once that little girl was safely in their arms, and it was a real encouragement to them. So sometimes we need to discern what and when we need to share whatever God shared with us through the gift of knowledge. It goes hand in hand uh, that this gift uh, works really well alongside having a close relationship with our heavenly dad. Because if you think about it, in doing so, we become more like Jesus and therefore more tuned in to what he is doing, his heart, his voice and understanding the ways in which he brings his kingdom. I'm going to take a few minutes to have a look at some biblical examples of words of knowledge. Now, the Bible is full of them. Uh, I've just selected a couple here so that we can uh, understand better how God can still speak to us today in ways similar to this. So Ananias, you may have heard of him before. Ananias was a special disciple and leader of the Christian church, and he's mentioned in Acts 9. He is key in the story of the persecutor of Christians, Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul. And Saul dramatically encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, becoming blinded by the dazzling light of the Lord. God gives Ananias a word of knowledge in the form of a vision. So this, is, this was it. Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Now, how cool is this? At the same time, Saul is shown Ananias in a vision, placing his hands on him for the recovery of his sight. And if you want to read that, you can find it in Acts 9, verses 10 to 18. Okay, we're all very familiar with the wise men in uh, the Christmas story, the nativity. So um, after Jesus' birth, the wise men were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. He wanted to kill the baby Jesus. And here is uh, a little story uh, involving Jesus himself, where Jesus receives a word of knowledge about this Samaritan woman at the well. So she says that she has no husband, to which Jesus responds, The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. This is from John 4, verses 17 to 18. 
And Jesus then goes on to reveal himself to her as the Messiah and offers her living water. Now, we can see how all of these examples of words of knowledge are part of God's direction for the revelation of his glory, the advancement of his kingdom and the protection of his people along the way. One of the things that I really love is how God often helps direct me as I'm praying about how to host on a Sunday because I'm always aware that he has a special plan around how he wants to move and encourage and communicate in that moment. And in his grace, I find myself led to choose a particular psalm or maybe read something that ties in with the main message in some way. And I remember one particular recording I did in Lurgan with Phil during lockdown. Oh, hi, don't miss those looking into your camera days. This is so much better being with all of you guys. Um, where I felt the Holy Spirit impress on me the phrase, I know you by name. Now, I didn't know what Phil was due to speak on that particular morning. And it was so beautiful and encouraging to hear him then speak on a passage, reinforcing this exact phrase. So there was a word of knowledge for the purposes of enhancing the flow of what the Spirit was saying and doing on that day. Words of knowledge can also be for the purposes of healing. So God will sometimes allow someone to feel a pain somewhere in their body to signal the area he wants to bring healing to in someone else's life. Or it can be through a picture or just a really strong sense of someone being held back by a frozen shoulder issue or whatever it may be. And worth mentioning, and this is actually really important, is that there's a weighing and a testing that should accompany this gifting. And we need to be careful to honour it using language which leaves room for human error. I sense or I feel that like God may be saying is uh, so different from someone saying, the Lord says. Okay, we're going to move on to words of wisdom. So let's have a think about the definition of that. The supernatural ability to encourage, support and provide guidance to others with a wisdom above and beyond our own experience. Wisdom is found in and begins with God. Psalm 101 verse 10 says, The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. In other words, following our own will rather than living under his lordship really is not very conducive to wisdom. Part of the work of the Spirit has always been to reveal the things of God and actually it's no different today. There are loads of references to wisdom throughout the Bible. We're encouraged to earnestly seek wisdom in James 1 verse 5, while Jesus actually promised wisdom for believers. There's a little passage in Colossians 1, 9 to 11, which outlines Paul's heart for the Colossian believers, which was for them to find fullness of life in Christ. And Paul transitions from thankfulness into a prayer that they may be filled with a deep knowledge of God's will, along with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. But there's a specific gift of wisdom, a gift to help believers understand and receive divine revelation. And this God-given wisdom, it is so different from the secular wisdom, the wisdom of this world, which God actually sees as foolishness. 
You see, worldly wisdom comes from a person's limited human experience rather than from the Holy Spirit. It's about a strong sense of the Spirit's leading as we try to figure things out. And wisdom as a gift can actually be quite subtle. And as I've said, it increasingly comes into operation in someone's life as they practice daily intimacy with Jesus. I have another wee quote here from uh, Cornelius Plantinga. That's an amazing surname. And uh, this is what he says. To place ourselves in range of God's choicest gifts, we have to walk with God, work with God, cling to God, come to have the sense and feel of God, refer all things to God. And with intimacy with Jesus, I believe we can mature in the effectiveness of these gifts, maybe in a similar way to, for example, receiving the gift of an expensive piano. So you may be able initially to play a basic tune, but with time and with practice, you could become highly skilled at playing more complex pieces. And interestingly, Luke 2 speaks of how both John and Jesus were said to grow in wisdom as they grew in years. That's John the Baptist I'm referring to there. James speaks of the ways wisdom may show itself. But the wisdom from above is in the first place pure, then peace-loving, considerate and open to reason. It is straightforward and sincere, rich in mercy and in the kindly deeds that are its fruit. That's James 3, 13 to 18. Well, there's definitely nothing man-made about this type of wisdom, that's for sure. So some biblical examples uh, of seeing this gift of wisdom in action. Uh, Remember the the king who was given the label of wise, um, Solomon. So he was the third king over Israel and he ruled with wisdom for 40 years. Unfortunately, it didn't end too well for him. Uh, But today I'm focusing on a bit of a bizarre story that we can read in 1 Kings 3 verses 16 to 28. So here we have two women who both claim possession of the same baby. And so uh, the wisdom part comes where Solomon declares, well, do you know what we'll do? We'll divide the child in half so that each of you can have part of it. And the true mother couldn't bear for this to happen uh, and was willing instead to give it to the other woman. I told you that was a bizarre story. Another example could be Joseph of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. Joseph's wisdom granted him favour in the sight of the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who made him governor over Egypt and all his household. And I think lots of us know how uh, Joseph was given the wisdom to interpret dreams in particular and came up with an economic plan to save the country from what would have been certain destruction due to a famine. My Jesus example in this uh, little part is this. The woman caught in adultery. Here, Jesus demonstrated profound wisdom. Go ahead and stone her, Jesus says, because that's what the law requires. But he wasn't finished. The law also requires that the first stone be thrown by a person who's sinless in connection with his charge. I always wonder what Jesus wrote in the dirt straight after that. Whatever it was, the Jews left one by one. 
and not another word was spoken. And we can read that in John 8 verse 7. As a lead team, we constantly pray for downloads of wisdom when decision-making, advising, supporting and teaching. Every part of leading a church demands wisdom so that we can best love and serve all of you, despite our human limitations. We are so aware that godly wisdom fuels godly decisions and direction, and we have a responsibility to pursue that in our roles. And in all honesty, if we were simply to operate within the limitations of our own knowledge and wisdom, we would have really very little to offer. Now, although there could be a strong link between wisdom and knowledge, it's important to get that it isn't the same thing. We can know a lot of stuff, but still be lacking in wisdom. Maybe a wee example to help illustrate that uh, is around when I was training to be a teacher. Uh, Before I actually went into a school for the first time, we had so many files full of notes about every aspect of schools and teaching that you can possibly imagine. But it was pretty clear, literally within minutes of my arriving at my first placement in a school, that despite all my knowledge, I really hadn't a clue how to apply it effectively and had so much to learn. So the third gift we're looking at this morning is the discernment of spirits which is the supernatural ability to identify and discern what is going on in the spiritual atmosphere, the source of power. Now, this is an interesting one. It's like the Holy Spirit pulls back the curtains in the spiritual realm to fully expose what's going on or operating behind the scenes. Remember, we're spiritual beings and I think actually we can forget at times that there's a spiritual realm and we can forget that exists. Discerning a spiritual route to an issue as opposed to something emotional or circumstantial can be really helpful to help us figure out what to do, how to pray and when there's something more sinister going on behind the scenes. Now, I wouldn't say that this is a gift I particularly operate in, but I definitely sense at times uh, where there's maybe some darkness. There's a particular road close to my house that I often drive down as as a bit of a cut through to shorten journeys. And every time I do so, I have this uncomfortable feeling that I just can't shift. And even on the most beautiful day where the sun is splitting the trees, I still have this feeling. And I actually had a cow that appeared from nowhere roaming towards my car at one point, which really didn't help my love of that particular place. And interestingly, I mentioned this to my dad quite recently. And as a family, we lived in Lurgan when I was very young for a little while. And dad commented how there were some very dark happenings along that particular stretch of road at one point which I found really interesting. There can be discernment of angels, demons, light and darkness. Now in relation to this gift Chris is probably our best example. As a teenager he very much operated in this discerning gifting and in a given environment um, he was gifted spiritual sight to literally see angels and demons in various environments. 
And I think it's fair to say that there was a bit of a lack of wisdom in how this was stewarded in the church environment at the time in someone so young. And this really became a bit of a label. And Crisp and Chris, he almost backed away from it, closing it down to a degree for a time because of this. But it's still a strong gifting that he carries with the visual element in there at times too. There's a really interesting biblical example that I want to look at with you briefly this morning from Acts 16 verses 16 to 18. So here we see Paul casting a demon out of a fortune-telling servant girl. Now, she had been following and bothering Paul and his companion for days. And the demon inside this girl kept shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. You see, the demonic spirit knew that the presence and the power of God was with the missionaries and I would say its shouting was probably intended to, to disrupt rather than enhance the preaching of the gospel. But the key thing here is that the information was true, but the source was demonic. The Bible makes it clear that we all have a responsibility to actually go after whatever gifts God may want to bless us with. Uh, not for our sake, but so that we can effectively serve others. Remember that phrase, for the common good. Rick Warren, he's great. He doesn't mince his words where he says, if others don't use their gifts, you get cheated. And if you don't use your gifts, they get cheated. Now, you may be wondering why I'm showing you a photograph of a snowflake. Well, snowflakes are so delicate, aren't they? They are really frail. But if enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic and wreak complete havoc. When we all begin operating in our diverse giftings, the impact that that can have on building up the body and ushering in God's kingdom is huge. But remember, let's go right back to the start. The foundation is love. As part of this morning, uh, I sense that God is asking us to take a few minutes, it's literally two minutes in our seats uh, just to talk to him. I feel that he wants to encourage us as a church family to give him permission in terms of being open to receiving any gift or gifts that he may want to bless us with as and when moving forward. And I think that this mindset, this posture of openness will help unlock the fulfillment of the plans he has for our lives, for greater empowerment and ministry and for the wider blessing of the family. So we're literally going to just take two, three minutes here um, to just to connect with our Heavenly Father and lay our lives before him. And then I will come up and close the morning by praying.